All right, if you guys want to go ahead and take a seat whenever you're in a good spot. All right, butts in chairs. Butts in chairs. Butts Butts in chairs. chairs. (laughs) Scotch. All right, you guys. Welcome to episode 174 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm usually second, but it feels like I should... Yeah, this is very this confusing. Is very confusing. Uh, I'm Sam, and I'm just kind of confused <laughs> yeah, today yeah. about the situation. The thing is, we had to sit in box art order, uh, so it's it's a real it's a real weird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. We're going to hit a lot of topics today. It's going to get weird, uh, and we've never done this live before, so no guarantees on what's about to happen. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, uh, this is October 20, 2018, and we are coming at you live. From Butterscotch Shenanicon here. Yes. That sounds good. Yeah, these microphones are really good though, so we probably didn't pick up. We probably didn't hear any any of that. Um, But yeah, I want to first say thank you all for coming. Uh, We have talked to people who have come from Texas, Florida, even uh, an hour away. Uh, It's just been. (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. We. We were kind of questioning, like when we were deciding to put this event on, we were like, I don't know. I don't know if, if people will want to see our faces and, uh, and you guys delivered and, and we, we appreciate that, uh, tremendously. This is amazing. So thank, thank you. Thank you all very much. Uh, it's a little bit emotional. So, um, okay. <laughs> uh, we'd also like to, uh, thank our recurring podcast supporters from moneygrab.bscotch.net. That's where we grab your money. That's where we grab your money. And we have a new supporter from this week who is here. This is Sen O'Lear. Are you, where, raise it? Yes. yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. Uh, Sen O'Lear says, one coffee for everyone in the BS crew. Also, roughly the monthly cost of the online games you convinced me to give up and actually pursue game dev with that spare time. It's the least I can do. Hey, thanks. Pro- I mean, you could probably do more, you know. But. <laughs> <laughs> he did say it was the it least. Is, well, so that's honest. true. That's what that literally means. Yeah, so it's very well. honest. So, but we appreciate, we appreciate it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Um, we also have other recurring supporters. Uh, so thank you guys very much for keeping the podcast alive and letting us do this, uh, whatever, whatever this thing is. Yeah. So, so for this episode, we're going to skip the, skip the news, skip the life stuff. We're going to go right into questions. We sent out an email to all the Shenanicon attendees to uh, gather questions from the audience so we could pre-screen them because we, well, I mean, we don't know what you guys have been getting into. Mm. We don't know where, where you been. come from. I don't uh, know what you're about. So, so we decided to uh, pre-screen these questions and we have, I think, who has questions? Give it to them. Okay. So, uh, so we printed out your questions, gave them back to you so that you can uh, read them if you would like. Uh, and if you don't want to read it, then when we call you out, then just shake your head and just look like really uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So get just <laughs> red, it's get red in the face, sweat if you need to, uh, we'll figure it out and yeah. then we'll go then, from there. We'll, we'll, we'll read, read it for you. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. So first question comes from Isaac. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac. This is the, the first live podcast question ever, ever, yeah. ever. <laughs> Isaac, also known as Angry Muffin, who is a moderator uh, who has been with us for a while. So thank you. This is yeah. one of the people who we're always thanking at the end of the podcast yeah, when we're rambling. True. So true. thank you, sir, for your service. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Right. Oh, you got to get a little closer. Get up to in that mic. Get Just up in there. Get your face yeah. on it. Yeah. Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I decided to ask kind of a weird one. Uh, if moonlight is mm-hmm. actually sunlight reflecting mm-hmm. off the moon's surface, which we all know it actually is. Yes. Do why we? does it not kill vampires? Mm-hmm. Right. This is a great question. Great. All right. See, thank exactly, you, sir. Thank you. I like, thank you. I like that we're, you know, we're starting off. We're starting off with the hardest hitting questions <laughs> I think we've ever received. Yeah, we got to go deep on this. It's square um, in our wheelhouse of game development, uh, life improvement, and uh, uh, vampires. vampires. So, uh, okay. So, so the, the question is: the question, just uh, in case we didn't get it on the mic, the question is: if if moonlight is simply sunlight reflecting from the moon, why does this not affect? Vampires. Okay. Well, we got to first clarify which vampires we're talking about. Are we in the Twilight? Are we I Am Legend vampires? Yes. Are we? What sort of flavor of vampire are we talking about? Because we know that some vampires just sparkle when they are struck by gorgeously. Gorgeously, gorgeously, I might add. Maybe gorgeously. sparkling is actually just a very slow form of decay. It could be. Mm-hmm. It could be so, a- so maybe it actually is very slowly murdering them. 
but they right. also look this, great. Yeah, while they just it's look happening. great while it happens. Isn't that just how the sun normally works for us? I mean, too? yes, yeah. yes, that is true. Yeah. So yeah. they're just regular, people, they're just regular right? folks yeah. who reflect light a little bit. Yeah, because I guess okay. a similar question would be, why don't we get sunburnt by the moon? Do you? Can you, can you get a moon burn? Can you get a moon burn? Yeah. If you're out, you know, at a pagan ceremony for like the whole night. Yeah. yeah. Dancing yeah. around yeah. a bonfire. Yep. Yeah. 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 Can you be somewhat moon burnt? Moon burnt moon in the morning. Yeah. Great questions. I don't know if we can get. I don't know. I don't know. But I think we also need to maybe take a, a step back. Okay. We need, to, we need to think about the mythology around the moon generally, and maybe we can work our way back, you know, to figuring this out. Okay. okay. I'm on this train with you. Let's go. Okay. So, uh, werewolves. Yes. They are affected by the moon. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. But only when it's full. Perhaps right? is this a, a measure of the total moonbeam, the moonlight you would think You would the- think it's quantity-based, and yes. I'm with you. Okay. But I think, I think there's something happening on the moon that's doing something to its light. Mm, okay. 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 Uh, so we got vampires. They simply, they can hang out on the moon. It's fine. Whatever's hitting that moon, bouncing off, mm-hmm. it's, it mitigates the sun, right? Wolves, werewolves, sorry. Regular wolves are fine. Werewolves <laughs> have, the, have the opposite effect, okay? The light hits the moon. Something happens to it. That's true. And now it triggers something, you know, primal within them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, I don't think it's about quantities. I think it's about the moon. The moon. So what is the there's moon? What's the moon made of? It's cheese, right? Cheese. Yeah. Okay. Everyone knows this is a lactose problem. And we know <laughs> that. that's what it is. Because yeah. dogs love cheese. Dogs yes. love cheese. Vampires are probably I'm, mostly indifferent, I guess, because they well, just like blood. People love cheese. Well, if the moonlight is actually cheese light, there might be a garlic situation yeah. as well. We have a okay. garlic cheese moon, okay. which reflects light and infuses it. So, with when you, oh, wait, wait, wait. so what you're saying is, what you're saying is lactose is being reflected off of the moon. Yes. Yeah. In tracks. staggering quantities. Stirring something lustful in a wolf, in a werewolf. The lust for cheese, which right. is what but, gets them going. Yeah, but it midnight. just takes a certain threshold before they really like. Yeah, that's why you need a full dish of, of the moon yeah. to get that and I think really similarly, good garlicky flavor. Yeah, and I think similarly, if you've got a, like a block of cheese sitting on a table, sunlight <gasps> comes in from the, from the window, hits mm-hmm. the cheese, reflects onto a vampire. Nothing happens. No, that's a good Nothing point. Nothing happens. That's yep. true. Nothing I've never happens. seen that. I've never seen that before yeah. ever. Yeah. So, did we get it? I think we got it. I think we got it. Okay. Thank you very much, Isaac. Okay. Right. We've, all, we've all learned a lot. We've all learned a lot. Next question comes from Senolier. Dan. All right. So, I asked wait, a question. Wait, wait. Before you get started, Dan sent us a novel. Uh, we, had to, we had to send it back and reject it. Uh, just this like this is roughly ten percent of the question. Yes, <laughs> he, he he courageously trimmed it down. I think your down. question is super interesting. Could you summarize it for me? As I think the email I got back. <laughs> Here's the condensed version of what I asked. Can you tweet it at us? Yeah, <laughs> no, don't tweet. Given the recent shutdown of this of the Apple affiliate program, do you think indie should be doing anything different now to get their initial press coverage? Would you say that this struggle is any easier when launching on Steam? The rest of the process notwithstanding, or does that audience still expect too much in terms of scope to be a good platform for an indie studio's first few offerings. Mm. Okay. okay. So we got to back this up for everybody in the room. Got number give one. some context. Context. Apple. You're familiar with it. It's a large company. It's, <laughs> worth, okay. it's worth approximately a lot of money these oh, yeah. days. Okay. It's so, worth our uh, current fiscal debt, I believe. Yes. <laughs> so It's an something. entire country mm. by itself. <laughs> Apple had what was called an affiliate program for uh, games. So essentially what that meant is if someone linked to your store page via the affiliate program uh, and then bought the game, then actually the, the affiliate, the person who linked them there, got a, just like a cent, got a tiny bit of the cut of the actual uh, game purchase. And what this allowed for was essentially press sites to cover mobile games and actually get paid by pushing people to buy those games. So you do review, put a link up, people go buy it from there, and you get some money at the end of the day. This, uh, they've been slowly reducing it. And then this year they just were like, yeah, we're done and removed it, which, uh, if any of you are sort of familiar with the goings ons of the internet, uh, a lot of the ad based revenue has been just disappearing because everyone's got ad block and, uh, things like that. So, uh, this left a bunch of these smaller indie sites in the lurch where maybe they were able to generate a little bit of revenue, uh, from covering little games like ours. Uh, but now they probably couldn't. So that's the that's that context. But it also left even some of the larger sites uh, in a really rough spot because they got a significant fraction of their income from this. 
And so now if they have no incentive to be trying to drive traffic specifically to the store, that incentive has been taken away. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it means that who, who's got our back now when we go launch a game? Yeah. So uh, Seth had mentioned in our earlier uh, little presentation that one of our first games got coverage in this, in this little magazine online called Game Zebo, uh, which was the first article we'd ever gotten. Uh, and they pointed to Gerblins, which was free. So yeah. I don't know how they were ever making any money off it, but, uh, but they did that for us, which is nice. Uh, and so the, the big question basically becomes, uh, in the case of how the industry looks now, so if you're an independent developer and you're about to launch a game, what does that mean for you? Because essentially it's, it's now even less uh, in the interest of the press to cover your game. It's, and it's already very hard to cover all yeah. the games. So uh, again, for those unfamiliar, there's more than like a thousand games hitting the mobile stores every week. Every day. Every day. Or, sorry. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then uh, 7,000 a week or so. Yeah, yeah. As far as uh, the PC market, because Steam has sort of stepped back and just said, hey, put, just put it on here, whatever it is. Uh, there's now approaching, you know, a very high number of games uh, coming out every week on Steam as well, which I believe is in a couple hundred a week now. Mm-hmm. So that we have this flood problem, which means that getting press is was already hard and weird. And now it's even harder or and even weirder. Yes. So uh, all of that context to come back to the question which was essentially, what does this mean for someone trying to launch an indie game now? Is it a good idea to try to launch on Steam given sort of the scope of what maybe a smaller team or even you as a solo person could do? So I'm going I'm to put on my nihilism pants and I'm going to say probably not much, probably doesn't mean mm-hmm. much. Uh, what we found is that the, the platforms themselves tend to be the, they, you know, people call them gatekeepers, uh, which is true. I mean, they, they get to decide who gets to be on their platforms, but in, in a very, in a more sort of deeper sense, they get to decide which games succeed. And, uh, so how many people here played flop rocket? Okay. And how many of you guys found flop rocket on the front page of the app store? Yeah. Okay. So this is one of those things where, uh, you need to get the, the backing of the platform before they show your game to anybody. And then you have extraneous things that happen kind of after that. So, so we have, uh, for example, our moderator, uh, Angry Muffin here, he found Flop Rocket because his brother found Flop Rocket because he happened to have some downtime on the day that we published it. Uh, and it was featured on the front page of iTunes. And so anybody who booted up their phone that day, they were just hit in the face or that week. Sorry, mm-hmm. we're, we're just hit with our big Flop Rocket uh, block box art. Um, and so... So that's the kind of thing that truly matters. And so the question we've always been been kind of struggling with is how do we take advantage of I hate to say it, Twitter. How do we take <laughs> how do we take advantage of uh, social media, press, things like Twitch, things like YouTube, um, all these things collectively in order to get that one thing to happen, just to get the press to feature the game. So I think the question is like, will this situation, will this Apple affiliate thing? actually put a dent in your capacity to do that. I think it That's won't because I think it never actually helped developers that much anyway. So to back this up, Adam is a PhD in molecular biology, also loves statistics and has done a bunch of research for us using Steam Spy data, data that's available on the web to crunch down and sort of understand what actually happens on these storefronts when things like sales happen or press happen. Which doesn't mean I know anything, but, <laughs> but I did do <laughs> all know, of those You things. know, slightly more than uh, most of us do. But it just, I mean, if you just look at the sheer scale, um, any of these, even the really big websites like Touch Arcade and others, uh, they, they get a lot of traffic and they drive a, a lot of traffic to a store. But the amount of traffic that you need to launch a title that can pay you, because you're launching games, you know, on mobile in particular, at like a few bucks mo- at most, right? And so think of the number of people who have to buy that game for you to pay yourself for all the labor that you put into making that thing. It's a lot. It's there, a lot. there is no website with or without an affiliate program that could drive enough traffic to actually pay you for your, for the work that you put. I mean, each of the controllers at these demo stations, that's like three copies of Crashlands right there. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we basically measure things in copies of Crashlands, yeah. right? I mean, this, this takes a lot. costs some number of copies of Crashlands. Yeah. It takes a lot. It takes, it takes a lot of sales to actually do that. And, and basically what, as far as we can tell, just the thing that matters more than anything else is getting the attention of the platform holders and getting on the front page. Uh, because if you can't, you only rely on these, like this broad network of, of these little sort of, uh, webs that are all shooting into your, into your application. Um, but the power just isn't that strong. Right. So, so then, so then the, the question that, uh, that Sinolier was asking was basically, 
does this, so getting the attention of the platforms, there's, there's ways that you can do it. And one of those ways is maybe by getting really a really good wave of press coverage, right? Yeah, absolutely. So then kind of the core question. So it won't directly sell games. Right, but right. might attract some. But if, game. yeah, but if you get a whole bunch of really great articles about your game, then maybe you can get the attention of the platform and then they might feature your game at that point. Um, so will this Apple affiliate program plug pull, <laughs> will <laughs> nice. this, mm-hmm. will this uh, make that harder? And I think Maybe. no, okay. because again, like, so some of all these websites, they built a, an audience, you know, so Tetra Kid has a huge audience of people who come there day after day to learn about mobile games coming up. Yes. So Tetra Kid can't just suddenly say, oh, we're going to not do this because we don't get paid to do it. Cause they do actually, they get paid their, all their ad revenue comes from them telling their, their, their fans about games that are coming out. And so, so it's this still, is, in their, this it's is actually, still in their interest. Yeah, so it's talk actually still in their interest. And yes. this is really actually yeah. why it sucks for everybody else besides developers. This is why it sucks for press. Because now all of a sudden they have to keep doing the job that they were already doing mm-hmm. and, and not get, get compensated for it. Yeah. Which is crazy. But also, yeah, they're, I mean, getting, they're getting squeezed real bad. In our own experience yeah. with Crashlands, uh, none of the press we got before uh, getting the attention of the App Store, we really got to use to get the attention of the App Store. So I actually just trolled LinkedIn for like two weeks until I found what looked like a guy inside of Apple. And then I just sent him some LinkedIn messages. And I was like, hey, look at my game. <laughs> <laughs> my brothers and I are building this game. It's really good. Um, and then two weeks later. But well, the dumb part is responded. You, we were reaching out to try to promote Crashlands. And then he went to our website and he was like, what about Flop Rocket? Like, that's well, why I mean, we yeah. got the Flop Rocket feature. Yeah. We, were, we were like, yeah, that's a thing too. We, I mean, but who cares? But who cares He's about like, that? Yeah. But he said, I care. And then they featured it. Uh, so we didn't. It had nothing to do with press. Um, Yeah, it's very messy. The whole process is incredibly messy. A lot of times it's also about who you know. Um, So so going to to conventions, going to things like Game Developers Conference and just trying to meet people, but not even in a business way, just in a meeting people as humans and just like talking to them and hanging out Mm -hmm. and and having a cup of coffee Um, and not trying to like push your product, you know, onto them, but just getting to know them. Cause, cause that would be one of the bright spots of, of them at, or for them at the convention is getting to just hang out with you and, and just in the midst of all the mm-hmm. chaos that they're putting up with, just hanging out with somebody who just chats with them and just wants to hear what's going on with them. Right. Yeah, so speaking to so, this, I mean, like a big part of our strategy has been to essentially try to go tardigrade mode, which is essentially become a tardigrade, which is yeah, a, no tiny, a tardigrade. Is. It's, it's, like, it's a water bear. Okay. Yeah. It's a tiny creature that can basically exist everywhere it can exist in space i believe and then you can you can take it out of the vacuum of space and just kind of heat it up breathe on it and it's like i'm good <laughs> and so our whole goal is essentially to make it so that our studio can survive it's sort of like it's a pokemon that only has hardened i guess it's yeah, like a yeah. Metapod. it's a metapod yeah it's a tiny a, metapod yeah so that's been sort of our goal as far as how we set up the studio and the reason is because we know that the the time scale you're operating on when you just go to a conference for example and make friends with people is years so actually a very good example of this, uh, two days ago, uh, we needed to get a translation of our store page in French for Crashlands. And uh, just that morning, I had got an email from a guy who I had met, and he saw a presentation that we were in out in San Francisco this past week. Uh, someone had a, a thing of, of Crashlands up, and he said, oh, it's nice seeing you at this conference. Ha, ha, ha. He happens to be a French dude. And so that later that afternoon, I said, oh, by the way, this seems like a nice cosmic thing. Could you please translate the store page for me? Because <laughs> we don't know anybody else and you're our only hope. I met that guy two years ago. And since then, like I've gotten lunch with him twice uh, at GDC or at some other events and just kind of been hanging out. But otherwise, there's, there's no actual agenda in place for any of that because there, there can't really be. So the, the one downside of this is that you have to structure all like, you have to structure your activities and your company around just surviving because you actually can't pull the value out of a lot of these networking things until years down the road. And it's mostly unplanned. It's yeah, just- you got you to survive long enough to take this shotgun approach of networking, make friends, just get in, you know. And, and we also love doing things like this, you know, where we, where we do uh, like give talks and, and things like that where, um, where we can make both. It's, it's good for us because, of course, it puts us in front of a crowd, which is always uh, good, you know, publicity. People see you. Uh, but also it, it allows us a really easy way to then talk to people. Because after you give a talk or you're on a panel or something, then people will come up afterwards mm-hmm. and they'll just want to chat about stuff. And so this is why we angle for, for giving talks at GDC and things like that as well. So uh, it's, and those, those things, are, of course, are very, much more expensive than just having a cup of coffee with somebody in terms of time investment. But, so long way to answer the question. But uh, that's how we do. Yeah, the only way we good. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Next question comes from 
Devin. All right. Uh, I am a music guy, so my question is about music. Cool. Uh, how did you get connected with Fat Bard? Uh, hi, Patrick. <laughs> uh, did you intentionally choose a music studio that was from your guys' area? Um, and could you talk about uh, like some of the importance of music and sound effects in your games and maybe any interesting ways that you guys like to implement them? Cool. So I think this comes right back to what we were just yes, talking about. Yes, 100%. All right. So the music for uh, Towel Fight to the Monocle of Destiny and Quadrupus Rampage, uh, that music was composed by a guy who I met while I was in law school, right before I dropped out of law school to make video games. Uh, he is now a lawyer, but he always wanted to make music for games. And so while I was trying to learn how to how to program, I kept roping him into my projects and being like, could you write a weird, you know, like fat beat orchestra piece or something for this? For this it's a common request. Yeah, fat for, beat orchestra piece. Just for this horrifying <laughs> uh, monstrosity of a prototype that I've put together, I feel like the one thing he needs that, would, timpani, <laughs> that would really set it apart is this, this music. So, uh, so I met this guy. I, you know, we went, uh, moved on to like, we worked in another studio for a while. We started making our own games and it, was, it had been a couple of years since I had been in law school with this guy. Uh, but I just reached out to him and I was like, Hey, uh, you know how I kept making you make <laughs> music for bad stuff that I was working on. I have slightly better things now uh, and we still need music. And so we contracted him for that. And again, it's just those random happenstance uh, things. But when it comes to fat Bard, he, he was on the prowl. So he started coming to all the game dev events in mm -hmm. St. Louis. He and goes to GDC and meets every game developer he can find. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he, he will, he himself will tell you that, you know, almost every time it doesn't pan out, you know, because you'll meet somebody and they don't need music for their game. You know, they don't need what it is that you can provide. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't become their friend, you know, just, just get to know people who you feel like are doing really cool and interesting things. And over time, uh, those things start to pile up and then coincidences happen because you've orchestrated that to, to be the case. So it was actually the case that, that the guy who did the music for uh, Quadrupus and Talfight had, was originally making the music for Crashlands. Mm -hmm. And he, he composed several songs, but as a lawyer, he was Running busy out of time. Yeah. Uh, and he couldn't, he just couldn't uh, keep it up. And so, so, Fat Bard showed up at, uh, at a game dev event, and just at that moment, we needed music. So that was pretty much it. And we were like, you seem like trustworthy. You've got a <laughs> yeah. beer in your hand, I guess. We're meeting with our faces. This is fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we didn't go out of our way to sort of meet somebody local, but I, I think that does kind of speak to the... Uh, I, I think it's really hard for game developers because... Uh, how many people here would consider themselves an introvert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of hands... Uh, and, and I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I can get up here and I can do this. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to be laying down moaning for like 12 <laughs> hours. Um, because uh, like a lot of you probably, you know, I need to recharge and, and kind of just like be away from the chaos of, of a crowd, you know. And, and that's true of, of a lot of people. I think a lot of people get into games, uh, into making games because they liked to play games. And they liked to play games because man, people are exhausting sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes you need to just like go into your phone and just like hit some fish with another fish or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so I think we get a lot more introverts in game development than maybe in other, in other, uh, fields. And so this, this idea of getting out there like that is maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe horror inducing. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's really what it's all about though. Cause I mean, most of the, most of the music people we know, actually, that's how they've gotten all their gigs too. I mean, so how do you do it? How do you, how, how would you do it? How do you get out there yeah. i know we all are we often talk about how important it is to get in there but in, in this out there? in this yeah. case you might also need to get get out there so i think so you'll notice i've talked to most people here already and i probably asked each person a similar set of questions and that's because i thought about it a little bit before i came and i was like what would be some good questions i could ask that are commonly going to be interestingly answered by the people arriving here today it was just like two minutes as i was sort of on my way over here i was like where'd you come from that's a good question. And that's, that's usually valid at every single conference or any other event you'll ever be at. And then as far as like local stuff, if you are working locally, you can say, oh, you know, where do you work local? What neighborhood are you in? You know, what do you do? And so I think just coming with a, basically a list of sort of prepared ideas about how you want to take a conversation can be a really easy way to just get it going. Because I feel like that's usually the hard part. Most of us, once we're in it, you're, I mean, you're in it and you're kind of going, it's fine. It's always, at least for me, it's always been the starting point. It's been difficult. So if I'm doing a tiny bit of thought work ahead of time and just saying, okay, you know, I'm going to this particular event, 
people coming here are probably looking at this from this particular angle. What might be an interesting question to ask? Is this, just think about it like a like a math problem. Yeah, you, know? it's, it's it's just, you just need to find the formula. Uh, and, and I've also found that uh, the one thing that most people are are sort of insecure about in these kinds of events is that nobody cares about them. That you know they're going to come to a big crowded party and they're going to be standing there off in the corner with nobody to talk to, and that they're going to leave kind of sad, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have this inherent fear that we're not going to be noticed. Um, and so, you know, be that person that, uh, that you just go up to somebody and just ask like these, these, you know, start with these generic questions and just ask them stuff. If they, if they answer with about something, then just ask about that thing, you know, um, because people love talking about themselves as you can, as you you can can see, see. uh, so, (laughs) uh, people want to be heard. They want to know that somebody else cares about what they have to say. And literally all that takes is questions. Yeah. Just, just ask I think I'm probably the worst at it of all three of us here, but my strategy is to, is to get over an initial hump because then I'm forced into the situation where I have to talk now, which is to make eye contact, stick my hand out and say, hi, I'm Adam. And then, and then inside you're screaming the whole <laughs> yeah, time. The whole time. But now, <laughs> but now I've, I've overcome that thing and now the person's looking at it. Like now there's an expectation, you know, that I have to continue you're in socializing. Oh, I'm, I'm in it. You, know? you got in there. Yeah. It's like, I can't just go run away because that's too weird. It's more like <laughs> it's more like jumping in a pool. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You're, You're just going to be cold. Throw your body you in. You need some way to rip the Band-Aid off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yep. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. Um, yes, as far as uh, going back to the music question. So as far as actually putting those sound effects into our games and weird stuff we've done, um, I don't think we've actually done too much weird stuff on the actual like implementation side, I guess. Question we've done some weird stuff. What do but, we do? Um, yeah, we've got all kinds of weird Doppler effect things that we're playing around with now where we can like whip something across the screen and hear like, Bew! you know, as it goes <laughs> past. Um, and we, yeah, we have all these mechanics that we're creating and it's a lot of fun because we get to, we get to then keep reusing those. Um, like one of the things you may notice in a game like Flop Rocket is you pick up a series of coins and it's like, doo, 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 you know, it kind of works its way up. Kind of losing my voice a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it kind of works its way up in pitch. Uh, and that's like a nice little satisfying jingle that you kind of keep hearing over and over again, which also kills the monotony of hearing the same. Uh, you know, if you mm-hmm. go back and you and you play a, an older, uh, like an original Mario game or something, man, those coin sounds really start to hit you yeah, great. Uh, after, after a while. while. So we just know? ruined that for you because you didn't notice, but now, now you, yeah, you cannot now you're hear it. Um, and so, so a lot of, a lot of the work that we do on the programming side is then, you know, these kinds of things are a specific implementation the first time, you know, we got to hand code that. Um, but then once we create a system out of that, then we just have that toy that we can mm-hmm. kind of play around with. And so, uh, developing things where we can queue up playlists was a fun thing we got to do for Levelhead, uh, where we can like put a bunch of different songs and then it'll you know, shuffle them around. And, uh, and we, we, so we get all that great mm-hmm. stuff. I think the weirdest stuff comes from just how the effects are made. Yes. So, so oh my God. many, many of the sound effects and crash lands of the creatures and stuff is Patrick screaming or gurgling into tubes, you know, just like really yes, weird, yes. weird stuff. Uh, the glazer, which is a laser shooting, uh, it's like an elk gazelle sort of a thing. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, when you act, when you sort of uh, encounter this creature and it gets mad at you, it's kind of got this like, like <laughs> weird noise. Uh, yeah, so it's pretty good. Well, we got the sound effects and we, we listened to them before we put them in and sort of give me feedback. We got the sound effects and we're like, what? what? <laughs> what is How that? did you is this do an this? animal? Where did you find And Patrick was like, well, I just uh, took a paper towel tube and held it up <laughs> and I just went. <laughs> And then pitched it weird inside of a software. Well, then also for, so we mentioned Gerblins was one of our first titles, which Sam did the mm-hmm. audio for, and he almost threw up because of the sound. I, did. <laughs> I was making a bunch of like these blah, blah, blah sort yeah. of weird noises. Yeah. And I, and like, I went too hard on one of them. Yeah. And I, okay, that's actually, where the, got, that's where the best sounds come. Yeah. From. They, they, were, they were good. You went in there too hard. You know, sometimes you can do that. So, but the other fun thing about it is actually the trailers. So, cause Fat Bart does our, our, trailer audio as well and our voiceover so well you do the voiceover for the trailer the way, i do the voiceover but he has recorded and listened yes. to me scream much instead yeah. of you so yeah. uh actually this week we went over to record the audio for this one this is we literally baked this trailer yesterday i uh, made it on tuesday through thursday this week this trailer was um, finished yesterday yeah yeah so, so one that you guys just saw that we can't uh say anything more about on the podcast <laughs> oh yes of course yes it's a um, secret but, yeah, so, but it was there. So I, you know i go over there and then and then get to do the voiceover thing which is super fun and he's just sort of rapidly editing stuff He's like a magician. He's rapidly editing stuff as we're going. Uh, and then afterward, you know, I'll, I'll put it all together in a trailer and then I send it to him. And I'm like, hey, just make this better than I could did. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then he'll send back an audio track, which has sound effects in it. It has like a bunch of like the oohs and ahs that you heard in this one. Uh, all sorts of stuff that I didn't necessarily 
say we should do, he just sort of, you know, he clues in on it and then amplifies it a little bit using his own skills. Well, and, and as the editor of the podcast, he also works that magic in. Uh, every now and then we get those really bizarre intros to the podcast where there's like cool music going on. Like we did not do that. We just sent it yeah. off to Patrick and we're like, do, you know, do sounds on this. Uh, <laughs> and then he does. And it, uh, yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to think about it too hard, which yeah. is fantastic. All right. Next question comes from Devin. Oh, sorry. Uh, Willie. We just got Devin. You got here, Devin. Uh, Willie. Is Willie here? All right, All right. Willie. Yeah. Woo! All right. So I have a serious question. Ooh, okay. Oh, I'm ready. Are right, you ready for this? Um, how do you handle being business partners and family? I hear a mm-hmm. lot that partnerships are a bad idea, but you seem to do well. Do you have any tips? Partnerships in general or family partnerships? Yes. Yeah, in general. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all just relationships, right? At the end of the day, that's the base level. Uh, I think for us as, as three brothers who've grown up together, um, the joke that I make a lot about it is that we, sort of, we, got our, we got our punches out early, if you will. So we've technically been working together in some capacity since, I, since all of us sort of came on the scene, whether that was you know, trying to negotiate who's going to get to play the Game Boy right now, or if that was uh, building trebuchets like Adam uh, did, or a huge bonfire, or you know, going out and figuring out how to do our giant laundry list of chores for you know, mowing yards and weeding things and all sorts of other things. So weirdly, we have this, uh, it's, basically it's, it's familiarity, which is sort of the basis of a, a family idea, right? So I think that's actually the grounding for us. In it just now occurred to me that family is the root word of familiar. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Crazy, I did not huh? realize that. That's all it means. And yeah. that's why at some point you can choose your family in some ways, right? You find someone who is just either naturally very familiar to you, who feels familiar and good. Uh, and then you start building a relationship by just like hanging out and doing stuff together. So as far as how we handle it, uh, I think it's most about making everything explicit. Yeah. yeah. Not with I mean, profanity also, but tons of profanity, but, <laughs> which does help. It lubes, lubes things yeah, up a little just bit. Just swearing you know? constantly. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's just making sure that everyone has assumptions all the time about what's going on with other people. And, and you just like, it's we basically have running monologues in our brains about everybody mm-hmm. around us. We're like, this person must think this about me. This person must think this about X, whatever. Uh, the fact is you're just wrong about all of it. Like literally all of it. And yeah, you don't know me. Exactly. <laughs> and you don't know me, right? Yeah. And so the only way to know is to actually keep that st- stuff up out in the open. And this becomes a really big deal when it comes to business partnerships because you are now deciding to align goals. You're joining mm-hmm. souls and mm-hmm. aligning goals, right? Mm, that's so put, a, put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, man, it's good. <laughs> and, uh, get another one of that. And so you have to, you have to know, like, what, what is everybody trying to get out of this partnership? And are you equal partners in this thing? Because as soon as it comes to work, no, just like at home chores, right? Nobody feels like they're putting, that their partner's putting in equal work. That's just true. And it's because everybody has different goals. You only see a subset of what the other person is doing. You see none of what they're thinking. And so you just have to be constantly, constantly asking and realigning yourselves, uh, which is one of our core uh, business goals, actually, we have, a, we have a list of 12 principles, which we really should have put in here, actually. Yeah, I, I think about, about it. Uh, yeah, but it. They're kind of in the air, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But one of them is align thyself. And it's basically saying, make sure that you are on the same boat, going in the same direction as everybody on your team. And make sure you're approaching it as a team. You just have to be aware that there are going to be asymmetries. And that's fine. There have to be. Everybody's got different skills. They've got different time available. They've got different everything. And so when you're coming into a project, you have to be aware of what those asymmetries are. And you have to be talking about it. You have to make sure that everybody's okay. And on the well, same page. let me ask you this, because do you feel like maybe I think culturally, some cultures have a, an issue talking about money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially you talk about it. Especially families. Um, it, it's just uh, it makes people uncomfortable. Right. Because because in, in some cultures, people view their uh, their income or their money or their their financial situation as a symbol of status or whatever. And I think especially in the United States where we have, we, we try to have a, a very egalitarian society where we try to say like every vote is equal. Every person is equal. It's you supposed know? to be a meritocracy. Yes. Also, a lot of ways, um, right? And so, so when you talk about things that, that people might view as uh, stratifying, then people want to shy away from those kinds of conversations. Uh, we also have kind of a, a really detrimental desire to make sure that people aren't getting their unfair share. Right. And yes. it always, so we have this like deep sense of unfairness anytime it feels like there's some asymmetry that we are not on the receipt, the good end of. Right. And, and I think, uh, families may just have a, a bigger issue with this kind of thing in certain cases. 
uh, where if you, if you come from a place where people don't talk about money because of how upsetting or offensive it might be, and then you also definitely don't talk about that with your family, uh, and then you want to start a business with that family. Well, I mean, guess what you got to talk about is, is the money. So, um, yeah, cause I think it's probably the case that, that maybe people are much more comfortable talking with a complete stranger than somebody they're more intimate with, uh, about this kind yeah. of thing. So it really just depends on, like Adam said, about your goals, about where you're coming from. Um, and I think there's also kind of back to that thing you're talking about with, uh, like not knowing a person's intent, mm-hmm. which is there's, there's a thing called the fundamental attribution error, which is the idea that like, if you encounter somebody for the first time, like I was in New York city and I was trying to cross this, this street. I look both ways. Everything's fine. And, uh, <laughs> I don't see anything. And all of a sudden, as I'm crossing the street, a woman on a bicycle going 378 miles per hour <laughs> shoots past and she starts, sc- she starts screaming from a distance heads up, which means nothing. So I'm like, <laughs> which way are you supposed to go? Do you like stand my, still? My head is back? up and I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. So she screams it again. Uh, and I just stop walking. Cause I'm like, I'm going to die now. So <laughs> I stop walking so that maybe she can kind of juke and get around me. Right. Uh, and she does, uh, cause I'm outside of the bike lane. So presumably I'm fine, but she still almost kills me. And as she's passing me, she just yells, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being a person. Uh, but I heard that this was the only interaction I, I had with this person. Mm-hmm. And it might be the last one. I, I hope probably. But, yeah. Um, but now the only point of the only data point I have about this person is that, which is this mm-hmm. person a has a reckless disregard for speed limits. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even on a bike, which yeah. is impressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, they probably killed a lot of people mm-hmm. and they're still weirdly accusatory about it. Right? <laughs> so some of this is everybody else's fault. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so the fundamental attribution error is this idea that like as, as an outside observer, I don't see that person wake up in the morning kiss their spouse, go to work, cheerfully greet people, et cetera, et cetera. All I see is this little snippet. And now I've sort of cast it into this, into this person uh, who I think they truly are kind of down in their core. And that one interaction is, it just defines that. Right. And so with, uh, with family, you've seen a, you got a lot more data points. Mm-hmm. You've just, you've seen a lot more uh, of what that person is like. Right. And so I think it does allow you to kind of get away from, from some of those, uh, those interpersonal conflicts that come from assuming that just because you had a bad interaction with somebody, that that means that that person is just like that or that that's just a bad person, right? Though you also, I mean, it's a screening thing, right? Because you also know the other way. Because if it actually has only been bad interactions for your entire life, that's probably, probably then you know. Yeah. You know, don't you know go that you're right that about yeah. <laughs> that person. I think the, the yeah. other interesting thing about it is that uh, it's, 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 it's largely about just keeping stuff out in the open. And, and in most cases, like essentially coaching one another on how to talk to one another. So just an easy example of this. So I've not been the, I'm not a person who takes feedback super easily, or rather I was not, I did not used to be a person who takes feedback super easily. You'd say something like, Hey, this, this piece of art needs changing. And I'd be like, how dare you challenge me? And so yeah, the classic move was Sam would make an art asset exactly one time. Yes. And if any of us said anything about it, like, Oh, may, you know, just, hey, just could have a little then bit. Then we would get the look. Then yeah. I, and I'd be like, <laughs> so, okay, that's fine. Just, we'll just have that one art asset. It's, and so uh, basically over the course of years, we've had conversations about this, not only though from them, cause I, I know this is a problem. I'm well aware of the fact that this is a bad way to operate. As but, are we, as are we. Yeah. As are they <laughs> very easily aware. Uh, we so, all have demons that yeah, we're we trying to demons. murder. So yeah. in this case, not only did we have the conversation about like, Hey Sam, you should quit being such a piece of garbage about getting feedback like this. But also we had the conversation, Hey, this is still me as I am right now. I'm a work in progress. So given that I I'm aware this is bad to get this going, like, could you, when you talk to me about my art problem or whatever this issue is, can you approach it like this? So can you not just say like, hey, this looks like a piece of garbage. How dare you try to put this in the game? Could you just say, hey, mm-hmm. uh, I think this is off because this is what we're trying to do and this doesn't quite hit it. That to me is just easier to sort of digest as a person who previously was sort of uh, allergic to feedback. Now you have a book recommendation for that, right? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the feedback is the book. Very good. recommend metaphor guys. No, absolutely, <laughs> stop it. absolutely not. No one will ever hear about that ever. Again. Um, so for those who don't know, Sam, uh, <laughs> he published a book in his teens, yeah. a book of poetry. You can find it on Amazon. You should not find it on Amazon. <laughs> He's been trying to escape its clutches for years. Every time, every time I'm close. Uh, but yeah, so I think there's, there's a lot more of that give and take. And I think the really nice thing about family 
as far as a partnership goes, one of the huge benefits is that you know that you're going to be near these people, even if you're not working together, right? It's like you have a you have a huge incentive to actually you know try to improve yourself, to try to improve the communication because you know that even if it's the case that you know the company goes away and you guys all go do something else, um, you're still going to see them probably sometimes. And so what that means is you have a huge incentive to like really try to make that relationship good and try to make it work. So I think that's one of the huge benefits of being in a partnership like that is because your fam- familial partnerships are a little more locked in in life, right? Yes. You, sort of, you don't really ask for them. You just have them. And that's kind of how you got to put up with the bad stuff yeah. uh, and then get through to the good stuff. So is it a bad idea? I don't know. Depends don't on the family. Know. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's just the same as in your relationship. It's just... Is people, it a good relationship? View, yeah, is it a good relationship? But people view family differently than they view their other relationships. Um, at their core, they can and should be the same thing. And uh, and if you can get rid of all the assumptions and actually just you know talk and you, and the, you just got to talk about really uncomfortable, awkward stuff. You know, we had we had, before we launched Crashlands, we had to sit down and ask what happens if this game makes no money, right? We had to know we needed to know ahead of time what do we all want to do, and it, and it wasn't the same thing. We all didn't have the exact same desired uh, things that we would do if we if we basically the game failed. Um, and so we just had to sit down and talk about it, talk about how worried we were about this happening and what we were going to do, uh, if it happened. And then again, align ourselves so that we knew what was going to happen, which just required getting into it. And we were also worried about what would happen if it did. Yeah. Uh, you know, because things can go the other way, you know, maybe you, maybe you start a business venture with family, uh, things go bananas. You're very successful. It's like winning a lottery and you didn't, you didn't really put down on paper who owned what. You know, and then all of a sudden you've got this weird kind of divisive uh, a problem that you have to solve because you haven't talked about it. So yeah. what things are business expenses? Who can make decisions about whatever? Like, does everything have to be a joint decision? All these kinds of things. Uh, most people just feel weird about asking those questions and settling on stuff ahead of time. I think and, you see the same thing with, with uh, people starting businesses with friends. You know, they, they don't want to uh, they don't want to suggest that one of them might own more of the company than the other or any of that kind of thing. And often oftentimes things just go unsaid. Uh, so you just need to, you know, what is that? Sunlight is the best disinfectant yep. or moonlight, uh, depending on the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Whether actually, but technically bleaches, bleach is like real good at disinfecting <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Don't be, yeah, don't be using that on anything. No. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. It depends it de- on the relationship. It depends. There's, talk, a, there's talk, the yeah. law school answer. All right. Uh, next question <laughs> comes from Brett. Brett Ward. So uh, this one's a little bit more for Adam, probably. Sure. But. Hit in me. classic uh, butterscotch form, you can put whatever twist on it you want. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where uh, where do bots come from? Where do bots come all, from? All of the bots? Generally, probably. Just, just generally? Gen- yeah, yeah, just general bot. Okay. We, so we talked so, about this thank you, a long sir. time ago. Yes, thank you. Uh, that bots are demons. demons. Yes. Yeah. Bots are um, demons. And so we had, there was a prior episode where we did, where we talked about this. Uh, and so, I, so we already know the answer, which is that bots are summoned... By mm-hmm. de- by de- from in demon circles, demon robomancers by, by robomancers. Yeah, um, so that is my job title in the in the studio. Um, but it's basically, I mean, it works. It works in the same way that any magic system works, which is you take a bunch of archaic symbols. Mm-hmm. You get out your spell book. You get out your spell uh, book, which is you write them Stack down, Overflow, I believe. Stack, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you just write them in the correct order, right? And then just like with any spell book, that that causes the bot to come into existence, but. It should be known that much like genius bots are very mischievous. They so are. They, they will try their best to not do what you actually want them to do, especially the first time you give it a go. Yeah. So we've had plenty of circumstances where bots have over or underperformed compared to what we had uh, tried to get them to do. Uh, how many have of you guys they, are when in have the, they overperformed? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> just how many of you guys are in the Discord? The community Discord? Okay, yes. Uh, half-ish? Okay. So I would say that our juice box bot... This is, good this, is a, this is a robot that Adam built in a couple hours, a couple, well, couple about days, a day, about yeah. a day, uh, to live in our chat room and answer questions for people that they normally would pepper us with, so we don't have to answer. Them. So we, I would say that Juicebox definitely over overperformed. He's a very zealous <laughs> on, uh, performer on the question of whether or not Crashlands was coming to the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Uh, because literally anytime the word, anytime the word crash lands and switch were mentioned in the same post, the same sentence, basically, uh, juice box got real mad about it <laughs> and just laid and he'd the be s- like, look, you guys, it's everywhere it needs to be. Yeah. Quit asking the devs. 
yeah. Uh, but this is actually this is the beauty of bots is because it's not us. Yeah, we. Yeah. Didn't, it's not my fault. I mean, sure, we I didn't have him. to. We didn't say anything. Juice box is flying off the handle again. You know, yeah, it's just mischievous. Yeah, it's the same deal with multiplayer. We, we don't. Know, we don't people mention Crashlands and multiplayer uh, in in the same sentence. It's the same deal. It comes out. It's like no, this is not. No, this is not going to happen. Go away. Even if they just said something about playing Fortnite and then something about yeah. Crashlands, <laughs> it's just he'll attack. So yeah. I think we have had overzealous bots before. So you got to be very yes. careful with, you know, with the runes that but you put down. But I, I will say, as, you know, if you're a game developer, if you're doing anything with community management or that kind of thing, having these demons around, even though they get up to, even though they get up to some nonsense. They get some mischief. Uh, having them around is fantastic because of that third-party situation. It's kind of like having a dog, right? They can just blame stuff on the dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, whatever. I mean, sometimes I'm talking to my wife. I'll just look at the dog and I'll say something to my wife, but actually to the dog in a dog voice. I'd be like, oh, well, she'd be like getting getting really <laughs> aggravated about this. Isn't she, Yogi? And then Yogi just looks at both of us and then we he laugh. He doesn't know. Because, he doesn't know what's happening. Because he's just a demon and we just get to sort of like play off his mischievousness, you know? That's right. Yeah, That's right. About it. Uh, yeah. And this is a classic negotiating tool. You know, you, you go to buy a car. And the, the salesperson will be like, mm, I need to go check with my manager. Also known you know, as a demon. They go back to an empty office. They stare at a wall for four minutes. Then they come back out and they're like, I, I tried. I, did, I tried, but I can't budge on this price. My manager mm-hmm. would just kill me. So by having this sort of, uh, sort of non-interactable third party, I guess, yeah. taking care of some of the uncomfortable stuff for you, like smacking people down in discord or negotiating business deals or whatever. Uh, you can have demons take care of that and people can't really. Yeah, and then you couple that with not having enough time to update it. Cause then when people say this robot is really good, really <laughs> you just say, look, I got games to make. Yeah, I don't I'm have sorry. time. Yeah. You're just gonna. It's just gonna have to. It's do just it. gonna be what it yeah. is. You brought this demon into the world, but you can't take it out. No, you know, it's just there. <laughs> it's doing its thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. It's a tricky. There's I a whole do wish process. they actually called them demons, though, instead of bots. Honestly, because like the whole yeah. Twitter problem would make a lot more sense. Like, there's a bunch of tw- demons a on my Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it won't stop talking to me and throwing stuff around. Yeah, that'd make a lot more sense. Demons getting into our elections, and I mean, it's, it's everywhere. crazy it's everywhere. <laughs> it's a problem. All right, next question comes from Philip. Yes, that was, that was a good plosive. Yes. All right. If businesses were people, what would their lives look like? What would butterscotch shenanigans be like as a person? Well, I think businesses are people, technically, according to the Legally. Supreme Court decision yeah. from Computer Citizens um, United. Yeah. Businesses are people. So yeah. as we know from that, if businesses were people, apparently they'd, they'd just be really mean to everybody all the time. <laughs> uh, one, of those, one of those constant taking sort of relationships, I feel like. Well, there's this whole sort of, you know, grow or die kind of ethos that that person would have. Mm-hmm. As a as a company, so they physically would, or like, <laughs> I think physically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just well, there's, huge. No, there's no real yeah. reason, you know. So it's like growing for no reason, but as fast as possible, mm-hmm. and then consuming all the resources around you so that somebody else can't get there and consume them first. So, so I guess it, like something that just really eats a lot. Uh, well, I bet envy is also a big part of it. Yeah. Right? You're always looking at your competitors. Can't ever focus on your own products. You got to look over there. What are they doing? There's a thing Why are in we bi- doing Okay, that? so there's a thing in business called a SWOT analysis. How many of you guys know about this? All right, nice. stands for Couple. nice, nice strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So you make this little SW- matrix. It's SWO. Oh, it's SWOT. Okay, I was Not, real confused. There's no, there's no a SWOT 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 <laughs> analysis. Uh-huh. So you make this grid, and then you got to ask yourself based on my goals. Uh, what are my strengths internally? What can I do to achieve my goals? What are my weaknesses? Where mm-hmm. am I, you know, where are my problems? What's going to, what am, what am I going to have sort of going on with my own stuff? that's going to keep me from getting there. Then you've got your opportunities and your threats. So these are when you're looking at other businesses and you're like, how do I, how do I take them out? Mm-hmm. How do I take them down? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got your opportunities, which is, are there, you know, new gaps in the market? You can develop new products for, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's like internal versus external. Now, this is a, a common tool in, you know, business management and stuff like that. I feel like it's kind of weird uh, if a person yeah, did that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. If you self-apply that. What are my threats? What are, like, my, <laughs> what are my, what are my opportunities? Like I you, can just get in there. Yeah, you just become some, like the worst person. But yeah. also who's very well aware of your faults. At least yeah. I hope so. <laughs> but it kind of depends on yeah. like, is it the intern doing this? Or is this like a person who's been at the company for 20 years? Because a lot of people probably don't actually do very good on the weaknesses portion, even in companies, about like yeah. actually establishing where their but weaknesses I, are. 
I think actually there's no real difference between a company and a person. Well, I mean, like just okay. even just, okay. just like deeply because okay, so let's a, go. Co- let's a company is made up of a whole bunch of, of pseudo autonomous parts that don't really know what the other parts are doing, right? Like, just, uh, just like a person. Yeah. Okay. So sure, maybe like this a company, liver. Like a sure, for yeah. example. So you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe this company's doing a SWOT analysis. That's fine, but like, but a few people are doing that, and they're just making stuff up the whole time. That's true. Right? In the same way that we just go about the world. Making stuff up. We don't know we what's happening outside this room. Yeah, we're constantly even. looking for threats. Yeah. We're constantly, we're doing all this thing, all the, just all the exact same stuff. And in the end, we basically are doing a whole bunch of things and we don't really know why. Mm-hmm. You know, companies have habits. They have people that are just filling out, like a form comes to you, you fill it out, you send it off. That causes somebody else to fill out a form. And, and now you just have triggered this cascade of so events. So you're saying kind of like how like uh, vinegar flavored Doritos show up all of a sudden. And you're like, why did, why did this need to happen? Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's cause you know, was it Pepsi that makes those whatever? Lays. Does, does Pepsi make Doritos? <laughs> Somebody know? Somebody that know? can't be right. Pepsi makes Doritos. What? What? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I mean, they've got the Mountain Dew. They've got, they've got the whole, they've got the whole market. Yeah. So why are they so upset about Coke? They got Doritos. I don't know. They need to know. relax. But, but I think it's that, you know, as a company, you're like, well, we're here now. I mean, we're here now, so we might mm-hmm. as well try some stuff, uh, which is a lot like what being a person is. I feel That's like. true. You so, don't quite know why you're doing the things you're doing most of the time, but maybe sometimes you produce vinegar Doritos, yeah, Doritos. Doritos. <laughs> and you you're just find yourself just one big internal battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. with that a whole bunch of mostly incongruent parts that are just like doing their best. Yeah, and then occasionally you do something cool. So, what if businesses were people? I think people are businesses. It's all the same. I think it's all the same. Yeah. So, all right. Last question <laughs> of the day uh, comes from Kyle. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> all right, Kyle. <laughs> the three of you are greeted by a game developing genie mm. who grants you the ability to fire out any code, art assets, or robots and web tech that the three of you could ever possibly desire for the next ten minutes. Mm. What game do you make go? Well, I think we've already established that genies horrifyingly mischievous creatures at their core. So this is one of those, this is just a programming problem again. So how do you basically, how do you entrap this genie such that it actually makes the thing you want to make? Because even when we try to make the things we want to make, we never end up making that. So as you probably just saw from the presentation. So, (laughs) so yeah, how do you, how do you approach this genie in the first place? I'm not even worried about what we're making. No, I, I, I would run away. Immediately. Yeah. Do not engage. Do not engage with that genie. Like, what does it even take to trigger the wish? I hope you, know? you don't like, have to think it because that's yeah, just. Then you're already you're you're done. Do you have to say, I wish that this? And then it waits and it's like, maybe that was a period. So that's your wish now. <laughs> right. Or like, how does that Is work? It's a semicolon. You got to end your sentence with a semicolon. It's too complicated. <laughs> you, you just can't trust what's going to happen. Uh, you can't predict how that relationship is going to go. So I would just leave. Do not get involved with <laughs> genius. Yeah, we would have to. <laughs> don't go messing around with We would just have to abandon the office. Yeah, we'll be, like, we'll be back in 10 now. minutes. We're on yeah. a coffee break. Do not follow yeah. us, demon. Yeah, I think that'd be exciting. And we just have to keep on paying the bill just so that nobody else goes mm-hmm. in there. Okay. I think that's it. <laughs> Don't touch genies. Mm-hmm. If you take nothing else away from the shenanigans, yeah. just, yeah. just get away from genies. All right. Thank you all very much uh, for attending the first ever live Coffee with Butterscotch episode. Thank you all for coming to Shenanicon as well. Uh, and we will see you guys next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys.